Thread. God's truth tying together all the pieces of your life. Thread is the broadcast of Dr. Chuck Quinley. Hi, I'm Chuck Quinley, and welcome back to the Thread Podcast, episode 83. Uh, coming to you today from the Media Light uh, School, and so you may hear some rumbling because this is a production day. All around me here as students are creating their testimony videos for a big evangelistic event that we're holding in a coffee shop. Uh, the interaction of the church and culture, you know, it it, it has a, uh, upsides and downsides. The upside is the, the possibility that we can interact if we'll get out of our church world and get the church out in the culture. We actually get a chance to speak to people and engage in conversations about their soul. And that's what we're trying to do this weekend with our um, with our engaging event. On the other hand, when you push into culture, uh, the darkness pushes back. And sometimes that's just in the form of lively debate, which uh, we have to learn how to, how to welcome that, because at least we're talking. But sometimes it goes beyond debate, and it turns into persecution. And that's what this story is about today. We're in Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 13. And we're looking at the first major persecution of Christianity. Uh, I think back to being a teenager growing up in a fiery Pentecostal church. And we heard often in those days about the coming persecution, uh, even in America. And, you know, now as, as I watch the political thing that's just happened in the U.S. and the, the election and the heated debate and how that even now there are so many people just wishing they could secede from the union and you know have a country of their own you can already see there's like two countries in america and there's one that's very conservative it's got family values it's bible believing and then you've got another one that's just it's so liberal and socialist and pushing an entirely different agenda that is uh, in many ways it's just it's anti-christ you can't it's not reconcilable to the christian way and there's not a whole lot of attempt being made to reconcile it to a Christian way. Um, and you're sitting, you're starting to see already the role of government growing larger and larger and uh, just the bigness of the federal system and the things that they can now mandate. And, you know, it used to be thought, oh, man, persecution, how could it ever happen in America? But I think it's pretty clear how it can happen. And in the kind of totalitarian way, that characterized Soviet Union persecution and Chinese persecution. I don't think it would take much to uh, get to that place. But I remember as a, as a young person, it used to just fill me with such fear at thinking of all the torture my persecutors could do. And um, I think really it's a fundamental mistake to fear the Antichrist, to fear the persecution more than we fear God, or even more than we fear failing to be the person we want to be. You know, fear failing God in persecution and being a coward and just trying to save our little short life and, and craving comfort beyond convictions. Uh, I think we should be more afraid of that, of failing in our one chance to live a life that has purpose than failing, you know, than to uh, fear uh, the persecution that's coming. I know people who've been, I've never been persecuted, but I live in the persecution zone of the world where in, in the years that I've tracked it, a quarter of a million people a year 
die in the 1040 window just because of their faith. They have acid thrown in their face. They're set on fire with gasoline. There's, you know, there's horrible things have been done to them. But the people I've met who actually have had to deal with persecution, they're strong people. They're not, they're not someone to be pitied. They're stronger than we are. They became strong through the pressure of their persecution. And their hold on God is absolute and secure. They don't love God and all this other stuff. You know, they've, they've gotten rid of hobbies. They don't have any of that. They just, it's God and them and this spiritual war that's going on in the last days as the kingdom of God comes. And they see it clearly and they're focused. They've given up on trying to create heaven for themselves in this short life. And they've truly embraced the vision of the coming kingdom of God and the kind of change that Christ is bringing to the world. And uh, we'll have to work to become like that. You know, if you're from the, especially if you're from the Western countries listening to this, uh, we have to work to get a mindset because there is a day of global persecution coming according to scripture. And this will weed out those who do not truly love God. Uh, those who use God for benefits, but they don't really love God and they would not sacrifice for him. So today's lesson, chapter eight, is about a persecution story. And like most persecution, it flares up quickly in a mob violence mentality. In this case, pressure against the, the Christian community has been building. There is a fear of their growth. There's a fear of the threat they pose to the established religious order, social, economic systems, and it's creating a pent-up resentment against this group, and it's growing. There's a frustration that's growing in the old way because the new way is pushing in, and they develop many misjudgments about this new group. They have false conceptions, and so the stage is set, and the tension is there as... Uh, as this situation unfolds. And here's the timeline in this case. First, there was a day of Pentecostal explosion in Jerusalem. 3,000, then 5,000 joined this new group. It was a popular group, and it continued to grow. And then this group was a group that was engaging culture. And they were not in a church building for 300 years. We didn't really have Christian church buildings. And which was wonderful. It pushed us out into normal, normal world places. So they met in the temple because they were Jews. And they went around the temple on the steps. They met in the shady places. They sat in circles. They heard teaching from the steps of the temple by the apostles. Their numbers grew. But also what grew was a growing confrontation with the established power holders. The same people that Jesus had confrontations with. In chapter 7, we read already the matchstick event. This was an illegal trial of Stephen. It led to a huge emotional outbreak of violence without repercussions. Because when Christians are killed, we don't kill back. When persecution comes, generally government does not punish the killers. And it grants a permission to persecute. And when they see that the police are not you know, charging at them, they just get bold, and Saul becomes bold. He starts with being consenting to the death of, uh, of Stephen as Stephen is martyred, but Saul goes beyond that. 
he's a young, self-righteous, closed-minded seminarian, and he assumes leadership in the crusade against the followers of Christ. And he's hoping to be seen by God, and he's hoping to be seen by the established religious powers that he was part of and he wanted to be part of. And he wanted all of them to see the purity of his zeal. He had held the coats of Stephen's murderers. He was consenting a true believer in this cause. You know, and that's the most dangerous kind of persecutor because they're not just driven by um, uh, orders from on high. They believe it. They believe they are doing God a favor. And as this persecution hits, and this is always the case with persecution, uh, the devil thinks and the persecutors think persecution is going to stop this thing. And it doesn't. What it does is it scatters it. It's like, uh, you know, stomping on a large fire and the embers just fly everywhere and ignite new things. And in verse one, it says they were scattered. They were scattered throughout all these regions. They went into Judea. They went into Samaria, except the apostles that stayed down. They stayed in Jerusalem, they lowered their profile, and they, they had some business to take care of. And part of that was mourning the loss of Stephen. They needed to carry Stephen and have burial and lamentation for him. And they courageously bury the smashed, twisted body of dear brother Stephen. And so while the Jerusalem church has scattered out to the other parts of the nation. And while the Jerusalem leadership is now pulling back in for a time of reflection and prayer and uh, rethinking of what their next strategy should be, uh, Saul takes the initiative. He is filled with pride. He's filled with rage and the momentum is now his. Uh, and so he begins in verse three to make havoc in the church entering houses, dragging people off who've been having house churches and committing them to prison. He's zealous in his hate and in his pride. But he's not fighting man. In his mind, he's fighting man. Later, he learns he's fighting the Holy Spirit. He's fighting Jesus. And that's not a fight that you win. And so the power of the Holy Spirit that is in this persecuted group can be seen as the as the group first runs for their lives, but then rethinks and begins spreading the gospel, which has for years now been contained largely in Jerusalem. They didn't become a missionary group, and God is pushing the church into missions because they had developed a, a mega church. It was an amazing, big, one mega church inside the very core of Jerusalem, which it needed to be there. It needed to, because when you invade a, the major city and you, you know, establish a really strong foothold uh, in a place like that, it's got power, it's got strength. And uh, even spiritually, something about taking the capital city uh, makes it easier to take the provinces. But now uh, they need to stop having perpetual fellowship in Jerusalem. They just... They meet every day. They pray every day. I mean, all their days are spent with each other. And they need to get out. Jesus told us this is a, a, a core part of Christianity is evangelism. We, we are an evangelistic faith by doctrine. 
and by command. You know, you'll never have Hindus knock on your door and ask you to become a Hindu. It is not part of their faith. Uh, real Asian Buddhists will never do that either. Uh, it's it's not expected. They don't they don't share their faith like that. But Christianity is an evangelistic faith. Christ told us, go to every nation in the world. And the first group that gets the gospel is a group that Jesus has has already gone to to sow the seed, and that was Samaria. These are the half-blood, uh, despised half-Jews, half-Gentiles, and most uh, pious Jews would not even walk through the region. They would go around it, cross the Jordan River, go on the other side and come back up into Galilee, which is more Jewish, and re-enter crossing the, Galilee, uh, the Jordan River back again. But Jesus went right through Samaria, sat at the well, inter, uh, interacted with the people, found them very uh, winnable, stayed extra time defiling himself, as far as the pious Jews saw. And, uh, but he said to the disciples, would you open your eyes and look at this harvest? And so now this harvest is ready. And in verse 5, Philip goes to Samaria. Um. You know, the deacons, again, take the lead in doing outreach. And uh, I don't understand the dynamic here. I mean, the apostles had their function too. But these people that are chosen to do, you know, sort of the, the street-level work, they become hugely important in the, in the spread of early Christianity. There was, you know, Philip and his family, his daughters are also prophets. And this is a man that was powerful in word and in prophecy and in miracles. And, uh, you know, we see again in verse uh, 6 and 7, the importance of miracles plus the word. We will never be able to just, you know, craft talking messages so powerful that we can do spiritual war and take, uh, take the gospel into dark places. You have to. It's a spiritual warfare and you have to mix uh, miracles with preaching. And if, if that's not part of your mindset, you need to pray that God helps you believe that when you were born again and the Holy Spirit came inside of you, that with that event came the power to do miracles. God wants you to do miracles. He's given you the ability to do miracles. And, uh, and miracles flow from this brother. He believes it can be done. He preaches Christ. He heals the sick. And people see the miracles in verse 6. Unclean spirits cry out. They come out of demonized people. Paralyzed people are healed. Lame people are healed. And the effect is in verse 8, there was great joy in the city. This city that was so bound by superstitious fear and by dark spiritual forces has now found itself released from the darkness by a brother who was driven out of his home through persecution. And uh, that's just the power of the gospel. Uh, and may the Lord drive us out of our fine church buildings and whatever it takes to get us out of our salt shaker mentality and back into the world. Very little evangelism is being done by most Christians or most churches. The vast majority of the budget is sucked up with uh, interest payments and maintenance-oriented activities to keep the happy Christians happy. And that was becoming the Jerusalem church's problem. And God allowed persecution to come on them to drive them back to the original mission of the church. And once they went to that mission, 
they found new growth, new excitement. Things started to happen all over the region as soon as their um, as their stability was taken away from them. It's like uh, we work really hard in all of our lives to bring our life to a place where there is stability and there's structure. And, uh, you know, in, in uh, spiritual formation teaching, there's a lot said about anti-structure, that until God takes us to a place of anti-structure, we don't really see him and we don't grow. We just maintain. But, you know, anti-structure is a wilderness place. It's where everything gets turned upside down. And maybe you lost your job. Maybe you lost your house. Maybe you got asked to leave a group that you loved so much. Uh, or or something else happened, and it or you got sick in some way, and your your structured world comes loose and starts flying apart. Well, that's the first chance to open our eyes and see something new, and see that God is at work. I think John Wesley said, "God is always present in the curious reversals of the saints." When you go from hero to zero. God did that. You know, somehow the Lord's got his hands on that. And when you go from zero to hero, uh, God is in that too. Uh, so just be expecting the powerful move of the Holy Spirit. You know, coming up uh, in our next uh, podcast, we're going to talk about one man who lived in that city who uh, had been involved uh, as a spiritual leader, but as a shaman and as a showman. Uh, and uh, the, the conversion of Simon the Sorcerer. So we'll come back to that in our, next, in our next lesson. But this time, just to focus down, that the people, uh, the world is waiting for the church to come out of its seclusion and get engaged fully into conversation with them. And I just pray that God will help you to think of some creative ways uh, to do that. Oh, let me share with you real quick what we're going to do in the next two weeks here. Uh, we were looking for an opportunity to engage a culture that is uh, 1% Christian. Uh, that's what they tell us that at most. It's 1% Christian. And so we're a media, we're a media training school here uh, for mission. And so what we've done is we've got our students producing two kinds of media. And the first one is called you media. And all that does is describe the human condition, security, insecurity, uh, hatred, uh, fear, just all the different issues that every human has to battle with. And those are videos that don't, they don't preach the gospel. All they do is highlight those feelings. And so uh, young people are going to come. This is on a college campus coffee shop, a big coffee shop. And so outside the restaurant, we've got live kind of cool jazz music and a celebrate life look outside with our graphics they come past that inside and they come into the U area and we've got large photos we've got videos that are wordless that are running and uh, they're just about issues trying to pull them into thinking about their life uh, seriously engaging where they're at as a person and what it is that they struggle with and then there's another side of the room that they cross over into and that side we call the God section and that is where the gospel starts coming to them because the heart of the gospel is a promise of change. And in this side, it's, uh, it's an opportunity. And those videos have words, and we have these banks of, 
of computers with headphones and they watch the videos and they listen to the, you know, they're just, they're short, three minutes, two minutes, one minute. Uh, but then that allows us when it's over, then we have a conversation area and uh, we ask them because uh, the students are there as artists. And so we ask them to engage the artist and uh, talk with the artist about what they thought and uh, what the artist is trying to convey in their videos. And it just gives us a chance to have conversation and, you know, under, under the table, we've got Bibles and materials for people that are, that are hungry and want to know more so that we can put some things in their hands. And some of the people that are joining us for the conversation area, they are uh, local um, campus Christian groups uh, that will help these young people get followed up. But we're excited about what we feel like is a creative new way uh, not to put up a tent and have a loudspeaker, although if that works, go for it. Uh, but it won't work here, uh, but to find a way that's conversational and it shows respect to the other person and to their religion because almost no one here is Christian and just to let us have a conversation about God and about God's work and God's plan and about God's promise to bring them change. And when we take the gospel, something happens. We can count on the Holy Spirit to go with us and to allow miracles, signs, and wonders to take place. So we're excited about that. And uh, I hope you can come up with something similar in your world. Uh, and, and we will all just see God use us in these last days. If you'd like to write me, just write my personal email address, chuck at quinley.com. I would love to hear from you. See you next time Thread. on Thread. 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 Thread